0: This is Sunday Rewind. Take it back now, y'all. Now,
1: if I could back.
0: On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Welcome back. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Ben Drouse, running the car, driving the car. Uh, he is driving the car uh, right here on 11th and O, our new studio, beautiful studio. Come by and see us. Wave it the, through the window. We've had a lot of visitors already, and uh, man, the tailgates on the weekends are just a riot. Cannot to do, wait to do another one uh, for Michigan. How, how crazy! It's I'll gonna be here. Gonna, yeah, I'll be here. How like crazy 7 in is the it going to be on Saturday? It's, it's going to be, be fun awesome. uh, for Nebraska versus Michigan. But right now, let's get to the blitz. We do it every week. Big Ten blitz. The big- Uh start Wisconsin over Purdue. Wisconsin improves to 3 and 1 with their victory over Purdue 38-17 Friday night. Uh Tanner Mordecai 17 of 27, not bad. He did have one pick. They rushed for 195, but they also lose Ches Malushi. Malushi uh carted off. It looks like he's gone for the season. But Wisconsin does get the win. They improved to 3 and 1 and they have Rutgers next week.
1: How about Mordecai only 174 yards in a pick? He was supposed to light it up throwing it. But yeah. uh, got it done
0: through on the ground. So. But they look good. I mean, I think was I don't think Purdue's great, but they're okay. Uh I, I think it's yet to be seen how good Wisconsin is.
1: I agree. Penn State rolls over Iowa 31-0. This game was literally astonishing. I have never seen an offense look so inept. Iowa had the ball for a grand total of 33 plays compared to 97 for Penn State. I loved it. They managed 76 total yards in the Nittly, Nittany Lied right. shutout. That, he's not, that's not a misprint. That's, no.
0: That's 76 total yards, four turnovers, and... Cade McNamara, McNamara was awful. Yeah, he was five of fourteen for 42 yards. Time of possession,
1: 45:27 to 14:33. Drew Aller. Uh, for the Nittany Lions, throws for 166, but four scores. Uh, yeah. And Brian
0: Ferentz goes off on the media this week after they score 41 against Central Michigan or Roast Beef State. I can't remember it, who they played.
1: It was Roast Beef State, yeah.
0: And uh, and now he has to face the media all week long. Well, yeah, Penn, I, if I were him, I would not go there. I would just say, <laughs> Dad, you do it. Dad,
1: do it. Penn State's at Northwestern next week, and I, I'm not going to be uh, surprised if Northwestern gives them a game. They ain't going to win, but then uh, Iowa you a battle of two really bad teams yeah. uh, Iowa Michigan State in Ames next or in uh, Iowa City
0: next week. Yeah, Iowa's not I'm telling you, there's outside the big 3, there's not very many good teams in the Big 10. No. Illinois is one of those not very good teams. They're 2 and 2, but they did get the win over Florida Atlantic. Casey Thompson did not start. Daniel Richardson did. He actually played pretty well. 28 to 49, 256, 2 TDs. Uh, but Illinois manages to get the win. Luke Altmyer, 25 or 36 for 303 and a TD. Illinois only rushed for, I guess they did rush for 207 yards. Not bad. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat, quite frankly, on a Friday night when Nebraska faces them, but they are beatable. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
1: Minnesota. <laughs> 21-point lead going into the fourth quarter against Northwestern. They lose in overtime, Uh, 37-34. Looked like another Wildcat loss, but they put 21 up in the fourth. Gophers started just basically playing the Scott Frost way not to lose. And uh, Ben Bryant, the Cincinnati transfer, throws for 396 yards, four touchdowns to lead the comeback. And don't look now, but the Northwestern Wildcats may not be the guaranteed win on everybody's
0: schedule uh, that we were expecting at the beginning I know, of the season. I was season. hoping that would be an easy win, but Minnesota wasn't very good, and they still aren't. Uh, both those teams are very beatable. Yes, Ben Bryant uh, makes them tougher to beat, and Bryce Kurtz had a big game, 215 yards. That is a career high. I think it's second all-time in a Wildcat uniform. So, nice win for Northwestern. They were, as you mentioned, down 21. They come back. They score on the last play of the game to face Overtime, to get it to overtime, and then they win it overtime.
1: Yep, Minnesota is uh, hosts Louisiana next week, and Penn State, as I mentioned a moment ago, will be uh, in Chicago to play Northwestern.
0: Ohio State over Notre Dame. It was the game of the weekend. Number six, Ohio State over number nine, Notre Dame. Chip Trienone, how do you pronounce his name? Chip, he scored from one yard out with one second left. Kyle McCord drives Ohio State 15 plays and 65 yards with 125 left. Get off his back, says the head coach, Ryan Day. Stop making fun of my quarterback. Stop making fun of my team. They're great. Well, they are. We knew they were great. What are you harping about?
1: Ohio versus the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, (sighs) I thought Notre Dame should have won that game, but Ohio State found a way to win. They're 4-0, and they're probably going to be in the college football playoff. Next week, they do have Maryland. That'll be an interesting game, just to see if Maryland can give them somewhat of a game.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Michigan State. I don't want to use the term dumpster fire because it's so overused, but it feels kind of fitting right now up in East Lansing. Maryland wins yesterday, thirty-one to nine. Another week and another uninspired performance by Sparty. Yeah. Uh, Talua Tagaviola, yeah, two twenty-three and three plus runs for thirty-seven yards and another touchdown. The thing about Maryland this year that is more surprising than anything, they're 4-0, and they look good. They look better on the defensive side of the ball than I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, they forced Um, five turnovers. Five turnovers yesterday. They forced 11 for the season, and they've only allowed four offensive touchdowns through the first four weeks. Michigan State next week is at Iowa, and next week Maryland, I think you just mentioned, uh, is going to
0: have a nice, fun game in – well, no, you didn't mention it. Maryland's – Hosting Indiana next week. did we do with the Indiana game? Indiana over Akron, 29-27, four overtimes. Uh, Traven Jackson, and not great, but he does throw the trick play two-point conversion to win that game uh, in the fourth overtime. You have to go to the two-point conversion. They got it, and then Akron didn't get theirs. Uh, Indiana's not good, but they got our win, and they're 2-2. Two and two.
1: They are wrapping up the Big Ten. Blitz Michigan, 31-7 winners over Rutgers. Rutgers jumped out to an early 7-0 lead, but behind 97 yards. And two TDs from Blake Corum. Wolverines pull away for the 31-7 win. Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline after a three-game suspension. The suspension was from Michigan State. The NCAA still has not doled out any penalties to Jim Harbaugh for uh, the violations during uh, the 2020
0: uh, season. Did you see his first presser back this week on? This but, was he wearing the, khakis? Uh, he was not. He was, I think he was wearing khakis. I, I don't remember, but he's just so weird when he talks. He was talking about watching it on TV versus being there live and what he's learned about the recruiting violations and how they can do it better. Yeah, stop cheating. Don't cheat. <laughs> That's no. how you would do it better. Don't cheat. Yeah, I've no. learned a lot about, uh, you know, not that we ever cheated. I've learned about, you know, how we can do this better. Yeah, don't cheat. Don't get caught cheating. That's right. Oh, oh, so you can still cheat, just don't well, get caught. yeah, cut. if you want to that's win. That's the key.
1: Uh, so we've got a couple of minutes. Do we want to go ahead and try to get to Tanya quick, or do you want to jump in and do uh, our rankings of the Big Ten
0: teams? I, I think we hang on to that. Okay. Um, we'll hang do that on to our Tanya. rankings. Yep. Cause I, I, the more that we can get of Tanya, the better, I think. Yeah, we want to make sure uh, she can
1: watch as much of the match as possible.
0: That's Nebraska versus Minnesota, number 12. Minnesota, Nebraska, number two in the nation. Going to take on... Uh, <laughs> what he's happy. The, Jake is going crazy over there. Been, yeah. 70 points they hung yeah. on the Broncos today. Yeah. My cousin's Broncos. That's like second all-time in the NFL. Second all-time in the NFL. And,
1: second most total yards in a single game in the NFL as well.
0: And it was miserable to be around Jake when the Dolphins won. Now it's really miserable because they're actually good. So, we have to put up with that for a while. Uh, Congratulations, Jake. Way to go. Uh, Played Jake uh, in golf this week. Actually, he's on my team, so that's good. He's really good. Uh, Let's get to break. Come back with one of the great middle blockers in Nebraska volleyball history. Tanya Taki is coming up next. Back to the Ticket Weeknights
1: on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
0: Is it Ticket Weeknight? I think think it's uh, Husker Rewind. (laughs) Husker Rewind. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, every Sunday, 5 to 7, Husker Rewind. Uh, Time to talk a little volleyball. Uh, We love talking volleyball. We do a lot of it on this show. And Nebraska, it turns out, is really good. They're the second-ranked team in the country, coming off a three-set sweep over Ohio State on Friday night in front of a record crowd at the Devaney Center. Tonight, it's number 12, Minnesota. Uh, And we bring in Tanya Taki, one of the great middle blockers in Nebraska volleyball history to talk about it. Hi, Tanya. How are you?
2: Great.
0: Good. Uh, Are you in the parking lot at
1: Devaney right now?
2: (laughs) No. You know, I had such a big weekend of coaching that the thought of being able to sit in my pajamas and watch Minnesota and Nebraska, it it sounded like a better idea.
0: That's a perfect idea. We thought about going to the game on Friday night, but it started at 8, so we were watching in our pajamas as well. Uh Husker volleyball it's a great watch. They're obviously playing great volleyball. In your opinion, why are they playing so well at 10 and 0 with all these freshmen? They've got five freshmen and four of them start.
2: I mean, I'm not going to say setter is the only reason, but I feel <laughs> like when the setter is connecting with their hitters the way we are, um I I mean obviously we have some of the greatest passing happening, but When you add those setter-hitter connections, it just starts to become magical. Um, People use the word synergy. Like, the hitters become better. The setter becomes better. Everybody just raises their level because those connections are making everybody better. And so that's the only thing that I can really pinpoint, like, why it's going so well right now. But, I mean, it's just also just college volleyball is just on a really big high. I feel like a men's basketball fan right now because I can – sit down and watch, like, number four at number nine and number 21 versus number 14. Like, every day I can look on my compu- my screen here and pick which games I want to watch, and it's amazing.
1: Tonya, obviously you played the game at a very high level. One thing that I noticed this year, I mean, it's been this way a little bit, but the, when, when I played sand volleyball and, and somebody on our team had an unreal kill, I mean, everybody got fired up, and the crowd loves it. But the digs and the defensive play of Laney Choboy, Lexi Rodriguez, and just anybody on the roster, Maggie Bosinger on, on Friday night and earlier in the week, those almost seem to be the plays that are more appreciated by everybody on the team. Was that the case when you were playing, and do you see that as well?
2: I mean, so just to date myself, I never played with a Libero. So I was done playing in 99. So our first Libero was Lizzie Wishmeyer in 2000. That was the first year of Libero, so I never played with Libero. Um, And so, I don't don't know. I would say, like, in the last years, it's been a thing where the crowd just cheers or they just make a noise. Like, it's like this, oh, noise, or just like, yes, or there's there's just this noise that happens in a crowded stadium when there's an amazing dig. I mean, obviously, when there's a block like that, that's what I live for. Like, that's my adrenaline rush is when the hitter hits the blocker blocks and it hits the floor and the crowd goes wild all within the same like second. And when I teach my blocking class, I talk about that's like the thunder and lightning and that's what like makes my hair stand up in the back of my neck because I'm so excited to get that block. But I just think that, you know, volleyball fans know that we did we can get the point yeah. if that makes any sense. So I it's t- like that first, like, Oh, I don't even know what noise it is. (laughs) Sprinkle it on everybody to like wake up in the morning and be like, yes. Yeah. Like that's, that's what the noise is when, when somebody gets a great dig.
0: Tony Taki, uh, one of the great middle blockers in Nebraska volleyball history, talking Husker volleyball. Nebraska's always been good at defense. It's one of the things that John Cook seems to demand. They had 11 blocks against Ohio state on Friday night. Allie Batenhorst played really well in the absence of Lindsey Crousey. She had a career-high seven. Andy Jackson had five blocks, six kills. She hit 600. It feels like Nebraska always plays pretty good defense, but now when they keep those r- rallies going, they have a Harper-Murray. They have a Merritt Beeson to end the rally, more so than right. maybe they've had in the past.
2: Right, and that's that's what makes the, the setter-hitter connections really special is that even in the long rallies, if we can connect with, with a hitter in one of those that we feel like we're going to be able to get a dig, um, you know, in the, in the super long rally, you know, obviously we couldn't get our hitters like on stride. It was all like, everything was an emergency move. Um, but I just feel like if we can get a dig, you know, anywhere upward, the setter can find a hitter. Like we are, we are hitting a stride there that we just haven't, it's a level we haven't been at for the last, I feel like almost,
0: Tanya, we lost you. We lost you, Tanya. Oh, I'm here. Oh, okay. there you go. Okay. There you're back. Now okay. we got you back. I just,
2: I was just saying, I feel like it's a stride that we um, haven't had since Kelly Hunter. I really feel like Kelly was one of those setters that, that really connected with our hitters. I, I love Nick Lynn as, a, as an athlete and as a setter. She was a great leader. And, and maybe her and had some connection. But I just feel like an overall connection, I feel like Kelly kind of led her team. In that way, and I feel like Bergen is just right there.
1: You mentioned a moment ago, Tanya, uh, Tanya Taki joining us here on the Aloe VIP line on Husker ninety 93.7 The Ticket. You, you mentioned long rallies. I want to ask you to describe the emotional roller coaster that you went through the other night on the rally, 72 seconds long. <laughs> Harper, wow. get, Harper Murray gets so kill cool. to win it. What was that well, like for honestly,
2: you? Well, honestly, for me, like I, I, I don't. I think I was just a couple seconds behind because it just. I had my kids at home. I was trying to put everybody to bed. You know, I don't remember exactly what time it was, but it was like in the eight forty-five, nine o'clock time. And I'm, I am, I stand up and scream in my living room, and my husband's like, <laughs> "They're sleeping," and I'm like, <laughs> "I don't care." Did you see? That? It was just such a great. I feel like when the when the Set or dump that didn't get called down, like when that moment happened and everybody stood up. It was when the crowd like stood up because they all knew it was really something special. Like that's when I lost it. Yeah. Well, Tom and I
1: were, were having dinner after the, sh- the the show last week and we were watching that live and where we were eating at, uh, who needs to be a sponsor of the radio station, by the way. Yeah, uh, we can't imagine. But like the entire place, staff and everybody, it was amazing how everyone just stopped and they're started. They start watching this and it was on that setter dump that, that Lexi got her fingers underneath. And it it was something like just talking about it. Now I got chills. It was, that was one of the most amazing rallies I've ever seen.
2: Right. Like where were you when the, when the, when the setter dump got pulled up? It was so cool. Uh, Talking with Tanya Taki,
0: one of the great middle blockers in Nebraska volleyball history, they take on Minnesota number 12, Minnesota tonight. What's going to be the challenge for Nebraska tonight, in your opinion?
2: Well, I, mean, been, I have been able to go to a couple of games now. I've, I've been to Kansas State. I was there on Friday. And I, and I feel like, and even the Stanford game, watching that on TV, I feel like we have, like, this two-set, like, I don't know if it's because we're young or if we're just, we just have so much adrenaline. But, man, we come out in those first two sets, and we just, like, we look like we could take on the world at that moment. And then the third set happens, and we're like, like, where did we go? Like, we're just making, like, Freshman moves, I guess, is the only word I can think mm-hmm. of to describe it. So I feel like if we can go out and, and put together three solid sets, like I don't think anybody can beat us. It's just are we able to do that? Are we able to sustain it? Can we sustain it for three? And, and then if it gets to five, what what's the reaction of this team going to be? So, I mean, I know people talk about this being the number 12 team, but I don't know. Just when, when, If it's Penn State, Minnesota – Wisconsin it doesn't matter what their rank they want to come in and beat Nebraska so bad that it doesn't matter what the rankings are
1: it really does you had mentioned numerous times uh, you, what well, you said you coached all weekend you're like I'm gonna watch tonight's game in my jammies man I've been coaching all weekend you've been coaching at Nebraska one tell us how things are going uh, with Nebraska one this year.
2: Yeah, I mean we are hitting some a big stride here for uh, fall ball. We had our four on four this weekend, which puts the coaches on a little bit of a of double duty. So that was why it was a little nuts this week. And we had our little tinies. We had our first and second graders playing this weekend. So that is like herding cats, and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. But um, so yeah, we actually the only the only main thing that we have coming up is our club tryouts are October eighteenth and nineteenth. So if you know anyone that. Looking to be on teams, we start at third grade. So we have third grade to eighth grade in October tryouts, and then we have our high school tryouts in November. So, it just happened to be a big weekend, and I just feel like everybody who's got anybody going in volleyball right now, it just everybody's feeling like this pride of volleyball, like Nebraska Volleyball Day. It's just like the younger kids, just the people's attitudes, what people are saying. Like right now, volleyball is like a, on a very high. Level of enthusiasm and excitement, and everybody's excited to be part of it. So, yeah. it was nice. It's nice to be in my pajamas, ready to watch yep. a really great volleyball game. So, hopefully, my players are all watching because I gave them homework. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> Tantaki, the head coach at Nebraska. One before we let you go, I mean, I thought they would be good, but with four freshmen starting, I didn't think they would be this good, this fast. How surprised are you?
2: I mean, I w- I'm not gonna say that I was surprised, but because I bought my tickets for Tampa like before the season started, so I'm ready to go. I also got my tickets. I'm going to the Penn State game because I never, I played Penn State like six or eight times as a player, and I never ever ever did it at their house. So I always just wanted to go and visit and see it and just experience it. So I knew that this was gonna be a special year. I had kind of booked those early just because I don't know. It just felt like we've had the recruiting classes. You know, year after year after year, and I just feel like we're hitting that stride, and having a new setter makes a big difference. So I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm surprised. I'm, I'm very excited, along with everybody else, like pleasantly yeah. excited.
0: Yeah, uh, me as well. I don't want
2: not... to use the word surprise. Okay, we're excited. We
0: won't use it anymore. Uh, Tony, okay. get in your pajamas and uh, go watch some volleyball. Oh, that's already happening. Okay, so <laughs> all right. I'm excited. <laughs> go big red. Changing as we speak. Uh, thank yes. you, Tanya. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again no next problem. week. Go Big Red. Yeah. Tony Taki. Next time, I, I I guess I'm surprised. I knew Bergen Riley, number one setter. I knew Harper Murray, number one player in the country. Uh, I didn't know as much about somebody like Andy Jackson, how good she could be. I thought she was talented, athletically gifted. Uh, you already knew about Becca Alec. But Merritt Beeson, I didn't know what she would bring. Well, she brought 14 kills the other night, hit 478. Well, you had uh, Andy Jackson hitting 600 with five blocks, that Bergen Riley is an assist machine. 36 assists, well, and she it, never makes a mistake, it seems like. Well, the thing is, too, with
1: – and Tanya's alluded to it, she alluded to it all through last year. Um, the setting was not quite where it needed to be in some bigger games just throughout the season. And this year, I mean, Bergen Riley has lived up to the billing. And then I'll tell you what, a, a major tip of the cap and props to Kennedy or for being the number one setter Good. in the country two years ago, fighting through all the injuries that she's had, and probably a little bit of disappointment, you know, not beating out Bergen Riley this year. She is finding a way to get herself on the court. She's doing awesome in the locker room. You, you've heard all about that with the notes that she's written to players right before the uh, volleyball day in Nebraska. Uh, but it, she's she's kind of, you know, I don't want to say she's the glue of the team because I, I think all of them are, but uh, just the way that she's carved out a piece for her to be able to affect games on the court, uh, just fantastic. But it,
0: I'll tell you what, they they are absolutely scary and fun to watch. And and it seems like, and we know how good she is, but sometimes it feels like she's so good we ignore Lexi Rodriguez. She's just so exactly. good that we forget to announce announce every game because the digs she makes are ridiculous. Um, reminds me of Justine Wong. Arantes, uh, when she was here, she could dig everything. She might be as good, or at the end of her career, every bit as good or better. But she's so good, Lexi Rodriguez, that I think we just take it for granted how good she is. It almost feels a little bit like that because we've talked about everybody but her, uh, it seems
1: like, this season. And, you know, all she's done is just continue to perform at a level that 99.5%. Of other liberos right. in the country don't have the ability to perform at
0: all she does is keep the ball off the floor all the time so harper murray or Merritt Beeson, can go kill it yeah and she it, the ball just never hits the floor because of her and lindy choboy i mean choboy i think she's going to be very good oh, as yeah. well i think uh, down the road <laughs> Well, and how about
1: maggie bosinger yeah coming in when with with choboy out with the concussion i and she and i mean like didn't skip a beat Unbelievable. So
0: Uh, we're quickly mentioning the NFL today. The Seahawks uh, over the Panthers in the fourth quarter, 37 to 20. My Vikings should have won, could have won. We're down in scoring distance with very few seconds left, but they lose because Kirk Cousins, that's kind of, he's really good except for when it really matters. Uh, 28 to 24, they fall to the Chargers. The Colts. Uh, win today without Richardson um i think uh who was it that played today in his stead uh the box score let me look at it. oh oh gardner Minshew is their backup quarterback right now and they did win uh they beat the ravens 22 to 19 in overtime titans uh fall to the browns 27 to 3 the dolphins in case you haven't heard the second Largest scoring explosion in the history of the National Football League. 70-20 to 20 over the Broncos. The Broncos are just miserable. So are the Jets uh, since they lost their star quarterback. Uh, they fall to the Patriots 15-10. to 10. No Aaron Rodgers, no football team uh, for the Jets. The Bills over the Commanders 37-3. to 3. DP very sad today. Uh, the Lions beat the Falcons. The Packers, they were going to lose, but then they didn't. 18 to 17, they beat the Saints, uh, Texans over the Jaguars. Your Cowboys got fall beat. again. Well, that's the first <laughs> loss, isn't this? against yeah, horrible the,
1: Arizona. Yeah, they're yeah, two and one. They, now. Dak Prescott yeah. uh, throws a pick
0: in the end zone. So, 28 uh, 16, Chiefs eat easily over the Bears. It was uh, Raiders Steelers later tonight, and of course on Thursday night you had the 49ers over the Giants, and then Monday night. It's the Eagles and the Bucks, So there you go. Uh, we forgot to rank. We didn't forget. We said we'd do it later, and we will do it right now. Uh, we had the Big Ten Blitz. So ranking the teams, I think, in the Big Ten is pretty easy. You've got Ohio State. For me, with that win over Notre Dame, I think I had Michigan at times at number one. I've had Penn State at times at number one. That puts them at number one for me. They're the number one team in the league. What about you?
1: Uh, same here. I, I had Michigan... Penn State, Ohio State all kind of tied for first. I've separated them after this last week, and, and I've got
0: Ohio State on the top. I've got Ohio State first, Penn State second, Michigan third. Exactly the same. Um, um, I, I thought Penn State was really good. Uh, you could say Iowa doesn't have an offense, and they don't. They're terrible offensively, as they are every year. But you still have to shut them out, and Penn State did. Yeah. 31-0. 76 yards. Yeah, that's impressive. I don't <laughs> care if you're playing roast beef state and— At times, offensively, that's the way Iowa looks. Uh, But you can, I think Ohio State's definitely number one, two and three. It's hard to know yet, I think. But that win, I think, makes Ohio State the best team. And then I've got Wisconsin at four. I've got Maryland at four. Um,
1: I had them at four last week. I think they're a solid number four. I think they are far better than anybody else in the Big Ten right now, other Um, than the top
0: three. I've got Maryland at five, just because I don't know yet. Uh, even if they fall hard this week to Ohio State and they have to play at Ohio State, I believe. Um, They were impressive. Then their defense, as you mentioned in the Blitz, has been really good. Five turnovers caused against Michigan State, even though Michigan State's a a train wreck. Um, I don't know how good Maryland is, but I think after five... You got Iowa, and then I don't know.
1: Yeah, Ohio State actually has a bye this week. Maryland uh, hosts Indiana, and then in two weeks, it is Ohio State and Maryland. So that'll be a, uh, that'll be a tussle. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I've got Maryland at four. I've got Wisco at five, but they're a distance behind Maryland. Yeah. And then I, I go Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Purdue. I moved Northwestern up to 12 uh, Michigan State to 13 and Indiana 14. I, I, it's just it's and and realistically, from five down, you can't. I mean, now, aside I think, from the bottom three, from five to 11, a, put them in a in a, put bag them in a blender, and pull them out. Yeah. yeah,
0: it doesn't matter. I mean, you could probably even throw Iowa in there, but I, I would definitely throw Rutgers, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, and Michigan State, all in the same category. Iowa slightly above. Maryland slightly above, Wisconsin slightly above.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't have Indiana, I wouldn't have Michigan State, I wouldn't have Northwestern. Those three are the three worst teams in the in the league. Although Northwestern, who knows? Maybe they turned the corner. They definitely have got a quarterback now. But uh, yeah, it's 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 garbage. It, it really is. They, it's like we're sitting here arguing about who's the twelfth worst team in the league. well. Yeah, that's because they're all, they're all that well, bad.
0: Well, actually, it makes me somewhat happy that I think Nebraska now could get to six. In fact, if they don't get to six, I'll be a little angry. Yeah. Because it's such a bad league after you get to, through the first five or six teams in this league that you should win outside of Michigan. Nebraska has a chance to win every single game on that schedule. Well, and maybe it, even if they play perfectly, I, I who knows? Say, don't say they don't have... It's college football, man. Strange, thing, strange things happen. And Michigan won't run away from you. They don't run away from
1: really anyone. Well, yeah, I mean, they... they... Gosh, I want to say every one of their scores this year is between 28 and 35 points offensively.
0: Yeah. So they, they kind of have that, well, not quite the Iowa philosophy, but they somewhat bore you to death. Well, at BC
1: pointed it out last hour, um, they have like literally the fewest snaps per minute of offensive possession time than anybody else in the country. And Nebraska is not too far behind him. So um, it's going to be a, a very, this could be like a two hour and seven minute game. <laughs> Nothing but, but draw plays and the, the clock keeps running and short passes. And uh, I don't know. It should,
0: I, I hope it's a great game. Uh, I want to talk a little option football. We've had a lot of Huskers on this station say, we need to go back to the nineties. We need to r- start running option football. Just go back play power football, option football, and now it looks like Nebraska might be doing it. Do they just listen to this radio station and say, okay, we'll just do that? Uh, I want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, Mike Melby, Tom Stevens, back with more. It's Husker Rewind. Back with more after this. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind. Final segment here. I've had a few texts this week. Uh, in fact, over the last couple of weeks, uh, that now that Heinrich Harburg is getting the stars for Nebraska and playing pretty well. Uh, and the question seems to be, does he remind you at all of Brooke Berenger? Mike, does Heinrich Harburg remind you at all? Of, I, by the way, we had lunch at Green Gateau. He was there today. And my cousin wanted to go up and get his autograph. And I'm going, no. You're 60 years old. You're not going to get his autograph. You're not going to. You're not doing it. Why not? You can't. Oh yeah. You should have let him. I blocked him. No, we blocked him.
1: him. The 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 comparisons of Heinrich Harburg and Brooke Beringer. As many as you may have heard, I have heard none of them, and I see nothing in Heinrich Harburg that reminds me of Brooke
0: Beringer. Like really? literally nothing. But he looks like, it uh, looks a little bit like him. He's the almost the exact same t- height but, but and weight. Great. We're talking about the way he plays the
1: game of football. He looks nothing like Bro Beringer.
0: Well, here's the difference. I think Heinrich Harburg actually would have fit better with that 95 team. That's funny. Because he I runs think you're the, right. I think he, yeah. he would be a better option quarterback, and Beringer would be a better player for this era yeah. of football because yeah. I think he would have played in the NFL. Oh, I, yeah, I guarantee you would have. He would play in the NFL, but he, he wasn't slow. He could run a 4.640, but Heinrich probably runs closer to a 4.4. 4. They they had that thing where the, the GPS that Matt Rule talks about all the time. He said Heinrich was one of the three or four fastest guys on the team. Well, they didn't when they, they clock him at like 21 miles yeah, an hour? Yeah, 21 miles an hour. And, and you saw it on that last 72-yard run. He ran away from everybody. Yeah, how funny is that? The 6'4", 225-pound quarterback runs away from two DBs. Yeah. Uh, so my question is, because we've had this conversation on this radio station about a million times, go back to the 90s, play power football, get a fullback. I remember I had Rob Zadiska on this show one time. When we lost to Wisconsin, and the following Monday, he said, I didn't even care. Fullback, Andy Janovich. I was happy. Now you got a fullback again. Now he doesn't get carries like Andy Janovich did. Uh, but they that was the thing that turned that game around in the second half. They went with a fullback, they went to the power eye, they put Anthony Grant in the eye, and they went 80 yards for a touchdown.
1: You know, the one thing I was going to ask BC about when we, they were talking about, you know, hey, they lined up with the fullback and, the, and you know, kind of a power set, when it's super short yardage, fourth and one, third and one, uh, et cetera, outside of some quarterback sneaks, which we seem to have a, a penchant for doing on second and one, no. the first couple of games. Um Teddy Perahasca is the the heavy that comes in as the extra lineman when they really go yeah. with that heavy set. Why not run that on first and ten and and for like an entire drive or for first and second down, um and and just go run heavy and go attack. I I, I mean Anthony Grant. The, the young man, now, granted, he wore down a little bit last year. Who knows what exactly the deal was with why he wasn't getting his carries? you got to find somebody else. He can't be getting
0: I, 35 I, I get carries it. a game.
1: And the, the other guy is going to have to be Emmett Johnson and then maybe Quentin Knives, yeah. or Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg. Maybe those two are the guys that they, maybe they I don't line mind. up. And I, who cares? But you've got to have some other guys toting the rock. But just go heavy. Bring Prohaska in as a sixth offensive lineman hmm. and I, just run heavy. And then the fun thing is... you. I'd like to bring
0: back the diamond formation. <laughs> I love that.
1: I love it. Can you Tim... imagine? Now, we didn't, now, if we had Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin
0: still, I would agree with you. But right yeah, now... Not, there's not enough backs to the, fill yeah,
1: it. Yeah. We, we, we you'd probably have to get really
0: creative. You'd have to put Sims as one of the backs. Yeah, true. Yeah, Or maybe Harburg as one of the backs, which I wouldn't mind. No. If you get creative, I think they're going to have to get creative. And Tim Beck was, as much as... He was criticized by Nebraska fans. He was one of my favorite offensive coordinators. Because he was one of the most creative offensive coordinators we had. And they averaged 36 points a game. Um, Yeah, people that didn't
1: like him, they didn't like him because Nebraska lost, yet they were losing games 45-38, and Kevin Cosgrove was the problem. But
0: But also, it helped that he had uh, guys like Roy Hallou and Rex Burkhead and, you know, Amir Abdullah. We We haven't had those guys for a while. But do you think Nebraska can sustain this this option offense? It, we've had some people say to us, "It looks a little high school to me," uh, so, <laughs> and it won't work against the better teams.
1: So, this. So, you mentioned, um, you know, fullbacks and et cetera, et cetera, and how you went back and watched the game today uh, after being at the stadium yesterday, and how different you learned so much more. Yeah. I, it drives me nuts when announcers think they know something that they don't know. And I've never been a fan of Matt Millen. Uh, major props to him and all the best health-wise for him because he went through he had some, a heart transplant. Yeah, very, very traumatic. And I I wish, I hope he lives another 50 years. But the man is horrible. He always has been and always <laughs> will be as a, as a color I guy. I want to say I hope he, he's really well. I, 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 but I, he is horrible. He's bad at his job. But I don't know who the play-by-play guy was. I've only seen him maybe one other time. But Millen goes, oh, Nebraska in the fullback. Man, this one fullback they got reminds me of Corey Schlesinger. And the the play by play guy trying to like jump in and be the, you know, oh I know Nebraska football. He goes, Yeah. Like, he threw out Rex Burkhead. He goes, like, Rex Burkhead. And Millen's like, Yeah, no, he didn't block. Corey Schlesinger blocked.
0: Well, he was <laughs> well, neither <laughs> But one. it was it was great that he just like stomped on him, but I'm like, yeah. dude,
1: come on, know your history.
0: Well well, the guy, the the announcer, the play-by-play guy, didn't know that Rex was not a fullback. Yeah. He he thought he was a he thought he was a fullback. Of course he was an eye back. If you were to go, if you were to rank Best fullbacks in Nebraska football history. Where do you start? Because I know my my number one is obvious. It's not even close. My number one is blatantly obvious. Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe Schlesinger, number two. Maybe a guy like... And I don't even know who, who would be number three. But Tom well, Rathman is number one.
1: Well, to- yeah, I, I think Tom Rathman is number one. There's not even a question. I, an old school guy... Uh, and when, when the football program had what they called the Lincoln family program, right. my family was fortunate enough to have a player out of Colorado Springs named Dennis Rogan. And one of his good friends was a guy I'm going to throw out Andre Franklin.
0: Oh, he was great. I, I played I mean, for and, the
1: bill. No, no he played, played for, for the, the Dolphins. Colts. No, Colts. played for the Dolphins and the Colts. I believe he may have, but I know he, he got drafted and played for the, okay. for the Dolphins for a while. Um, but under Franklin's one, uh, the, the brothers, come on, Andy Janovich. I mean, it's one of those, we're talking about from five to, to 10 or 11 Uh, in in the big 10 right now is all just a jumble. Okay. You got Rathbun and then you got about eight guys that you can make an argument as number two and you can make an argument. They're number five, six or seven or eight. So the
0: sad thing is those guys carried the football. Yeah. Like. Uh, you knew with Raffman got the ball, he was going to be a a threat. And even with the 49ers, when he played in the backfield there, he was a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield. He was a great blocker. He could do everything. These guys are basically glorified blockers. They, they rarely carry the ball ever. And
1: it makes you wonder because the one play where Harbor goes to his right and grant goes to the left and it's a broken play as they show it from the end zone angle, and, and this is one where, to me, like a quick hitter, when you do that trap block, um, that hole was wide enough. You and I could have at least got, you know, 8 to 10 yards right. out of it. And, those, and and if Anthony Grant would have got the ball, would have gone to the right side, or Harburg would have turned the right way, whichever guy was in the wrong. I mean, Anthony Grant may have scored. Because right. that was a—and that's one of those plays. That's That that blocking scheme right there with the fullback in, you quick hit to the fullback and fake an option pitcher, right. however you want to run a, a normal triple option type thing, man. I'll tell you what— that play would have worked. And that's where I would love to see the fullback get in and and run that kind of blocking scheme right there where
0: you trap the one guy Um, and you've got the fullback with a hole that he can just go. Well, Marcus Satterfield and Matt Rule made a big deal about, you know, we're going to have a huddle. We're going to have a fullback. We're going to have a bunch of tight ends. Uh, But if you're really going to do that, get serious and get a fullback who is actually a threat to run. The fact that Lawrence Phillips was in the backfield made every fullback... Corey Schlesinger, one of them, so much more effective. But at the same time, don't I don't know that we...
1: Don't tell me Janarian Bonner's not a guy that can carry the ball. He hasn't. He, I mean, he did I, I in the spring get, game. He it, did one I'm, time I'm, in the I'm spring I'm saying, don't tell me that we don't have guys that can carry the ball. The guy calling the plays has got to call the play. Yeah. Uh, you know... Maybe we, we don't see practice. Maybe they don't have anybody that can carry the ball that plays fullback right now. I don't. I find that hard to believe, but I would love to see that sprinkled in. And maybe I,
0: they're saving it for something. I actually am with a lot of the guys at the ticket that would like to see a little bit. Of, if, if it's that successful, I think the, the option could still be really successful. Barry Switzer told me once a long, long time ago. He said, I guarantee you the wishbone would be successful today but you can't recruit to it. It's hard to recruit yeah. to, and nobody wants to try to recruit to it. But you just watch Navy or Army, or you know they, they always have an upset every couple of years, and they do it with 250-pound linemen because it's so hard to prepare
1: for. The thing that I, I wonder about with Nebraska and the option game going into Michigan next Saturday, the big thing, Nebraska's run, what would be considered an option play with Harburg having the ability to pitch the ball, 15th, he hasn't pitched it yet. He hasn't pitched it yet, and the very first time Nebraska shows option, I am going straight at Heinrich Harburg, and I am going to hit him as hard as I can. I'm going to make him
0: pitch the ball. Well, and he's I'm going made to do the,
1: it every uh, every single time.
0: I agree, but the decision really not to pitch the ball has been a good one so I far. I get it,
1: but if I'm Michigan, I'm going to make him pitch.
0: I think the third option off the option is yeah, quarterback run, quarterback pitch, but quarterback throw as well. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, and just the quick drop back. Yeah,
0: and... I mean, I think, and maybe mix in a shovel. Bring the tight end around and, and you know, a shovel pass. If, let's face it. They're not saying it, but they're the coaches are not the most confident in the world about either Jeff Sims or Heinrich Harburg throwing it 40 times a game. They don't want to get in that scenario. That Nebraska gets behind 14, 21 points, and they have to throw it. They want to possess the ball. Rely on that defense, run it, and you know dink and dunk, uh, and then maybe take their shots. They don't really have a guy. Maybe Tommy Hill could do it. That could get behind a defense, and they could take their shot. But if it's, you're gonna if you're gonna dink and dunk, be a little more creative about how you dink and dunk. I agree. It's, Somebody it, wave at you. It's so fun being on O Street. It's the best. I can, I'm coming down for the Michigan for Michigan Saturday. Two is, by the way, perfect for Michigan for me. Oh, I, I was. Agree. I was diff. I was disappointed in the energy of the 230 crowd this past Saturday, but it was Louisiana tech and he understood why I think the energy this Saturday is going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, do you have blast. a get off my lawn nominee? I, You
1: know, I do. It's kind of, it's a layup. I get it. I'm not really calling any shots here, but man, the fact that Deion Sanders allowed his players to go out and, and kick turf and stomp on the O out in Oregon is just a, a classless elementary grade
0: school move. And, and I, you know what, Deion get off my lawn. Get off my lawn, Dion. Get off my lawn. Mine is Brian Ferentz. He yelled at the media, talked about, you know, he's got the thing in his contract where he has to average, what, 300 yards a game and 25 25 points a game to get a renewed contract. And he was sick of hearing it. And he went off on the media after they had scored 41 points against Central Michigan. I told you we're great. Blah, blah, blah. And then they come back this week, and what was it? 72 seven, yards total. 70, four turnovers. 76 yards. Complete disaster from his quarterback, He uh, throws for 46 yards. Brian Ferentz, get off my lawn and stay off my lawn. Get off my lawn. We're leaving. We got to go. <laughs> we got things to do. We'll be back uh, next Sunday night from 5 until 7. It's Husker Rewind, Mike Melby, Tom Stevens. You're predicting to win? You're predicting to win?
1: Uh... I'm I'm hoping for a great game. <laughs> I, I really am. I, they could win. I, I think they can. I mean, I don't think they will. 24-21, 17-14. I just love it to be a close game with a chance to win. I, yeah. I don't know.
0: They're going to need a special teams turnover, something I, like or, that, or a touchdown, or, defensive or touchdown, a pick something. six. They're um, going to need everything to go perfect. I don't
1: know what's coming on next, but I know Ricky Simmons is going to get his happy on yeah. from 8 to 9. Terry Beard is going to be his guest. The Malone Hour comes your way after that at 9 o'clock here on 93.7 The Ticket. And, um, yeah, you and I are gone, man. All right, we're leaving.
0: See ya. Volleyball's on. All right, bye-bye.